What's up, everyone? My name is Tebs, and thanks so much for checking out the Superpower Podcast. This podcast was created to celebrate young African women who are excelling in their business, careers, and lives. We want to salute you and give you flowers while you can still smell them. Every week, we will be profiling a boss babe and finding out from them how they have harnessed their superpower and what more we can expect from them. So stay tuned and make sure to subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all our social media pages at Superpower Podcast. Leave us a review and even drop a voice note on our channel shouting out ladies who are inspirational to you. The official hashtag for anything on this podcast is hashtag Superpower Podcast. Enjoy. Hi everyone, it's Tebs and you're listening to the Superpower Podcast where every single Monday we bring you another phenomenal young African woman who's going to share their journey and this week is no different. On the other side of the table I have an econometrician. Um, I don't know what that means or what it is that they do but I'm sure we'll learn today. Her name is Vanessa Ndovu and she's a senior econometrician at ESCOM and she recently also completed her PhD in energy economics and you know how important that conversation is in SA. She's phenomenal. She is doing so well and I'm so happy that she decided to come and tell us about her PhD journey and also tell us a bit about herself. So how are you doing, Vanessa? I'm good, Debsa. Thank you so much for the invites. Um, yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. I want to like get to know this incredible journey that you've been on that not so many people actually get to um, achieve and accomplish and say that they've actually got a PhD and you're, you're still fairly young, like you're, you're in your 30s. So I want to know, like, why did you even decide that this is something that I want to do? Okay, so my PhD journey started, um, so I've always worked for ESCOM, so ESCOM Research. And in ESCOM Research, it's encouraged, obviously, to further your studies. And obviously, the, the higher qualifications are, the higher chances are of promotion or yeah. establishing yourself, especially as an energy economist. So my mentors and my supervisors have always encouraged me to study further. So um, I started working for ESCOM when I was actually in varsity. <laughs> I used to oh, work wow. doing back work on holidays. So I've always had good mentors, good managers that always encouraged me to continue studying. So um, I studied undergrad and then I joined ESCOM when I finished my undergrad. And it was always encouraged to you know further my studies, to continue studying. They've always funded my studies as well, which was really great. So I never really yes. had to struggle looking for funding or scholarships. Um, I did have um, a scholarship with ESCOM throughout my entire tertiary education from like undergrad up until PhD. So they have um, continued to find me. So my managers always encouraged me, you know, like, no, continue. And I, I was lucky enough to always have good grades. <laughs> yeah, that's a requisite, yeah. <laughs> I, I never thought of myself as an academic. Like, I never thought I would have done a PhD. 
So when I finished my honors, I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and then they were like, no, but you got such good grades. You should continue and do your master's. And I was like, okay, fine. So I did my master's. I did very well with that as well. Got good grades. And they were like, no, then you have to do your PhD. So I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, my word. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's been it's been really great. It's it's brought a lot of opportunities. It's opened a lot of doors. Um, I'm mm. really lucky to have the right people mentoring and encouraging me. So um, I think that that played a big role in me actually being able to complete my PhD. And wow, has a PhD, so it's always encouraged in our family as well. To you know, just you always need to be better than your parents. <laughs> So that's it. I hope so. Yeah, that's how it started. Um, I, I was always in the research environment, so that was a very conducive environment for me to to do my PhD, to do the research. So my PhD topic has always been work related. Um, mm. as I mentioned earlier, I'm an energy economist, so my PhD has has been um, in energy. And okay. Okay. So so maybe um, before we deep dive into the PhD, because that's the whole uh, purpose for the session. Just maybe explain to the layman like myself, who when they hear titles like econometrician, senior econometrician, energy economics, um, wh what is that? What does that entail? What, what does a person who is in that study um, field do? Okay. So econometrics is essentially applied economics. So you're applying statistics and economics together, obviously explaining the economy and energy economics would be explaining how energy impacts the economy. So things like electricity supply, the different mm. types of um, energy types or electric, um, energy forms um, would impact the economy. Okay. 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 That, that makes sense. And that is actually such a relevant topic. Okay. So you decide you do well in your honors, your masters, and you have your mentors all around you telling you, you must um, continue studying. How did you then go about picking your institution? You know, I know you studied at the University of Pretoria. Why did you pick that institution specifically to go and do your PhD? Okay. So I picked the University of Pretoria because of my supervisor, Prof. Rula Glacy lotz So she's quite a prominent energy economist, and I've always read a lot of her articles. So I felt that she would give, she would be the best person to supervise the topic that I wanted to do for the PhD. So mm. I, I started my PhD journey at um, the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University, and then went okay. got to meet um, Prof. Glacy lotz and then I moved over to the University of Pretoria. So it was purely because of her, um, the the skills and the experience and the exposure that she had on my specific topic. So that's why mm. I moved to the University of Pretoria. Okay, okay. And in terms of, because um, you said you wrote it on energy economics, um, when you do a PhD, do you already have to have a topic in mind or do you just apply and then figure out your topic while you're like in the course? <laughs> These might sound like really simple questions, but for someone who um, doesn't know, obviously, I mean, I think this is like relevant stuff. So yeah, how, what's the process? What's the application process? 
um, and how did you go about it in okay. terms of your journey? So really, it would be nice for you to know what your topic, what, what you want to be researching. So a lot of people tend to, um, so if you've done a master's, they would sort of broaden their topic that they did for their master's and advance it into a PhD. Some people don't even know what they want their topic to be. That's why you have a supervisor that will sort of um, advise on what they think would be a good topic for you. But at, mm-hmm. at, from my perspective, I think it's better to have an idea of what you want to do. Because if you mm. don't really know, you're going to get bogged down on having too many topics or not knowing exactly which area to focus on or what you want to do it in. So you should preferably have some sort of idea of why yeah. you have a PhD and what your topic should be. And then that makes it easier as well for you to discuss it with your supervisor. But they do assist you. So when you apply for the PhD, you do start with just an idea of what you think your topic is going to be. But it does evolve as you go along, but you have to register. They they give you, I think after a couple of months or maybe even a year, you have to register a title. So that title mm. commits you to what your topic is going to be. But obviously, as you continue doing the research, your research may lead you to a different direction, but your topic all, almost guides you in, in which, okay. which route you want your research to be going. Okay, which 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 makes sense. So they 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 give you like a time frame to say you can have an idea, but let's make sure that it's fleshed out. So by the time you register um, what your thesis is going to be on, then you have uh, like a better idea of what is uh, what you'll be writing on. Yes. Jeez, oh my <laughs> word. Okay, and okay. The, first, the first part of the whole PhD is you working on your proposal. So when you're working on your proposal. That's when you're figuring out what your topic is going to be, where you want to focus your research. So I would advise people to spend a lot of time working on their proposal because once you have your proposal down, it makes the rest of the journey so much easier because you have goals, you have milestones, you've sort of you've you've framed it out really nicely so you know what you're working on. So some people don't mm. like it a lot of time. They feel like they're wasting time working on their proposal, but that's the most important because a lot of the information that you use on your proposal, you will use in your final thesis at the end. So I would recommend spending a lot of time actually just flashing out your topic and your research yeah. into your proposal. Okay. So, so also with, with regards to the UP journey that you experienced, um, is it like a coursework and a thesis or is it just pure thesis? Like what, what, what is the actual course that you guys okay. undergo? Um, so University of Pretoria actually has um, two streams. You can do a full coursework and then at the end you'll have um, a thesis that you have to write. Or you could do a full research, which is what I did. So I didn't do any coursework. I did a full research, so all I did was just um, researching, but I didn't do any coursework. Okay, and what was your reasons for that? Yeah, why did you pick the second stream as opposed to... Because I already started my PhD journey at um, NMMU, so I had gotten quite a lot of progress already. Like, I I had Mm. my proposal almost half done, so it was just continuing. So I think for somebody who's starting from scratch they might have to do the coursework 
Okay. Okay. And and what's the normal duration? So there's like record time, and then there's the scenic route. <laughs> so, so if someone had to do it like in record time, what what would that look like? Is this like a one year full time course? Is it two years? Like how long does it typically take to sure. achieve so, this? Yeah. You get like really smart people. <laughs> like a year and a half, two years. That's like record time. I think that's like super fast, but it all depends okay. on, your, on your pace and, and how much work you're able to get done. Are you working full-time? Are you working part-time? How much how much time and effort are you actually putting into your work? So yeah. also depending on, are you struggling to find data for your research? Is everything going smoothly? So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot that goes into the time frame. So you might okay. you'd be like, okay, I want to do my PhD in one year, but then you struggle finding the data that you need, or you struggle finding information, or there's many, there's many things that you know that you need to take into account. So you can't really say two years, three years. It all depends on on your pace and how your research turns out. Okay. Okay. Which, which I think is valid. It's fair. So this is not like a undergrad or honors. No, no. You know, it would be ideal to do it in three years or a year. Okay. 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 That makes sense. And in terms of your expectations, so I know you were studying and you were doing, you were actively studying, but what were your expectations before actually embarking on your PhD? Like, what did you think it was going to be versus what did you actually feel once you were in it and doing it? Sure. There were many things. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was very fearful in the beginning. I was like, oh, my God, it's a whole PhD. Am I going to be able to do it? So I knew that yeah. I was up for a very big challenge, which I was in. Um, so I was expecting a lot of hard work. I didn't expect it to be easy because I do know a few people that have done a PhD. So I sort of knew what I was getting myself into, but you never really know. <laughs> yeah, you're never ready. <laughs> it is very, very challenging. I'm not going to lie. There were many times when I thought, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> is it really worth it? Do I really want that DR in front of my name? Yeah. <laughs> is it? Is this what I have to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a lot of work, especially when you start publishing your papers, you will get a lot of rejections. Like you will have to rewrite your paper like eight to ten times sometimes. Oh my word! So wait, wait. When you when you when you say publishing your paper, what what do you mean? Like, okay. is there like another process? Yeah. Yeah. So so when you do a PhD, it depends on what type of PhD you're doing. But most PhDs, you you sort of have to publish your research to like a reputable journal in order for you to to qualify for a PhD. So some okay. can say you we have we need to have proof that you've submitted it to a reputable journal. Some say you must have published an actual paper with the journal. So for us, we planned for three publications for my PhD, and out of the three, we published we managed to publish two, and then the final one wasn't because we'd already met the minimum requirements, and I was just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> you're like I'm good guys we don't have to I'm happy with the two I have an international one and I have a regional one so that was great it's great to have an international publication and to have a local or regional publication so I met those two minimum requirements and my professor's a bit of a 
slave driver. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he would have wanted us to publish all three, but I was just like, please, can I just finish? I'm tired. So, um, yeah. So when you're publishing a paper, when you send it through to the journal, it gets sent back with like lots of revisions, lots of. Oh. So, oh, so it's not as easy as just sending it in and them saying, cool, great. We are publishing. No, it's like, not no, three examiners that examine your paper and all of them have an opinion and all of oh them want to question why you think this is so relevant. Why must we publish this? So you will get a lot of rejection. You don't get accepted right away. Oh, <laughs> you have to keep working yeah. on it. So yeah, your confidence takes takes a bit of a um, uh, what's the word? Like you, yeah, you, you, when you start, you, you're feeling like, you know, I'm smart. I'm doing a PhD. Of course. But yeah. You realize, no, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So All these things that are put down. Things. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So it's very challenging, oh but it's mm. also fulfilling at the end when you see how much you've actually done, how much you've learned, how much you've grown, how much you can take. And it wasn't easy doing it while I was working as well. So I had to put in a lot of long hours because I'd work my eight mm-hmm. hours at work. And then only after work will I be working on my PhD. You have to put in the hours on the weekend. I literally didn't have a life for four years. I, I had Yeah, to- I was about to ask, like, how did that also impact your your social activities and did you have to schedule time with people or people had to schedule time with you just to see you or were you just books down head down in the books and that's just what I'm doing yeah so I had to turn down a lot of you know invitations for like brides or parties or coffees and only when I was like okay I really need a break would I say okay okay I'm sorry my friends and family I'm back now Wow. Oh my gosh. I and I, I'm so happy that my family really understood and they were very supportive. And a lot of my friends understood as well. But you do lose a lot of friends because people don't understand when you're always turning down their invitations or you always yeah. and but if you're working, you know, five days a week and you only literally have the evenings and the weekends to work on your PhD, you can't really have that much of a social life. Sure. So. That's <laughs> That's absolutely insane. But but yeah, I mean, the sacrifice is obviously worth it because it's not like you also went through all this and you weren't then successful. Yeah. Um, when you think of your PhD journey, would you say it's um, like a lonely journey because it, it, it just sounds like you're pretty immersed in your research and trying to get this thesis out and the probably the only person who you then get to interact with really is your supervisor, um, which is very different to like um, an MBA, um, which I, which I also did a feature on where that seems like they're trying to get you to network and be around people and Mm. group assignments. Yeah. What, how would you compare your PhD journey? Yeah. To that. Yeah. Like you said, I think it is, it is very, it is quite lonely. And since you're also just doing pure research, you don't spend a lot of time on campus. So you don't really get to interact with many people unless if you actively, you know, trying to find somebody who's maybe doing a similar topic to yours or, you know, they've um, collected specific data that you might need. So you have to make an, you know, like a serious 
conscious effort to interact with other people because if you don't, you don't necessarily get to interact with other people except for your supervisor. So, um, yeah, because you don't go for lectures, the only time you're really on campus is when you're going to meet with your supervisor or if you present mm. something for the department. So you don't spend a lot of time on campus. Well, for me, I didn't spend because I also wasn't a full-time student. I was yeah. as well. So I'd only be on campus when I needed to be. Okay, so which makes sense. It is a little bit lonely, but you, you get to network and meet other people at conferences or at seminars, or if you're reading a, a, a particular paper, you can, you know, make contact with the, the authors of that paper if you want them to explain things to you. So you can interact with people, but it's you, you need to make an effort to interact with them. Okay, which makes sense. Okay, and you, and you mentioned just now about conferences and seminars. Is that like just your doing like part of the research process or are you also expected to attend conferences and to speak at conferences like how does that work you are not expected but obviously you want your research to be validated by experts in your field so the only way you can get that is by presenting at a conference where you will get um, feedback and also input from other researchers that might have done something similar so it's sort of like a good testing ground to see if you're on the right track with your research. Mm. You will get a lot of criticism, but I think at a conference it's more constructive criticism because it's other academics and people that are in your field or experts in your field. So I like to present at conferences to get feedback on the mm. stuff that I'm working on and then they can give you ideas on where you should be focusing or if you should change something or if you're on the right track. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I love that. And when you think of who the PhD is suited to, um, because it, it is, it does sound like it's a very like academic thing and it's people who are like lecturers and people who are like researchers who should be doing a PhD. Well, who do you think is um, a PhD suited to? In your opinion, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. I'm just no, giving your viewpoint. Suited for anybody, really. So if you if you really want to further your knowledge or expertise in a particular field, I think it's suitable for anybody. Really, it's not it's not designed for only academics or only researchers. It's it's gaining knowledge. It's it's giving yourself an opportunity to learn as much as you possibly can about a particular topic. But I also find a lot of people think just because you have a PhD, you're a genius in everything. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> I think so. I'm in that camp. <laughs> no, it's not true. I only know my specific topic. <laughs> Oh, my word. Okay, yeah, so not genius, which makes sense because you guys do spend so much time researching a very specific topic that you become, like, the subject matter yeah. expert yeah. on that, yeah. That okay. particular topic, not everything under the sun. <laughs> wow. Okay, and now and now that you have your, your, your PhD, um, does that change like your aspirations, like what you want to do or like where you want to work? Like what, what does this actually now mean for you in terms of your career? Okay. 
So another main reason why I did the P- why I pursued a PhD was I've always wanted to work for like the World Bank or the IMF and so you having a PhD actually increases your chances of, you know, getting employment in in those types of organizations. So I'm hoping now with the research that I've done with BRICS and it's opening up a whole lot of doors for me and, you know, looking good on my CV. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. with PhD I'm going to, you know, better my chances of getting employment in a place like the World Bank or the IMF. So that's wow, what I want wow. to do my PhD. Yeah, yeah. And talking about BRICS, um, <laughs> I was reading up that uh, your team came second and you were the team lead. You know, like people who are really humble, they're just like, my team came second place in this BRICS youth energy outlook, whatever. Maybe like explain to us like what that was about and the work that you guys did there. Okay. So through the research that I was doing for the PhD, I focused a lot on BRICS countries and their energy systems. So I was lucky enough to get invited last year by the BRICS Youth Energy Agency to go to Russia to actually present um, some of my research that I was doing for the BRICS countries. So BRICS Youth Energy Agency is really awesome. And it gives um, like a platform for young researchers from the BRICS countries to interact and cooperate with each other and to research together on on energy issues um, for BRICS countries. So that was a really great opportunity. So I thought, why don't I share that same platform with the rest of my um, uh, colleagues or other students um, that, that would be interested in energy research at University of Pretoria. So I started my own team, um, the UP um, BRICS Youth Energy Agency team that worked on they have an energy outlook that they produce every year so last year I I had completed it as an individual but not part of a team this year I decided to include um, some of the other researchers that were doing energy research from the University of Pretoria in our economics department okay that was myself Alanda Jessica and Yaku so they so Jessica and myself have just completed our PhDs and then Yako mm. and Alanda are still PhD candidates, and we have a master's student, um, Ashley. So they, it's, it was a group of masters and PhD students. Um, okay. Together and did this research for the energy outlook for the. Okay, and you guys came second. Like this is this is yeah. just like you did research, and that was that. Like there was some kind of ranking, and yeah, they were. Our South they African were. team came second. I mean, that's yeah, impressive. That really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely that's why I said you're really humble. Like here you are, like doing so well, and you're just like, yeah, this is this thing that we did, and uh, it's it's really really impressive. Um, I was I just wanted to circle back to something you said, and I didn't ask a follow up. Okay. The role of your supervisor in your PhD, how important is that, and what kind of relationship should you actually have with? your supervisor in order to then be successful? Yeah, so the role of your supervisor is very, very, very important for your PhD. (laughs) It can make or break you. I've heard lots of stories of people that have had bad experiences with their supervisors. And if you have a bad experience or a bad relationship with your supervisor, it has a negative impact on your progress. So if you are not agreeing on the progress that you've made or 
you know, what your topic is looking like, you obviously are not going to get further. You're not going to finish your PhD. That's why a lot of people don't actually finish their PhDs because they don't get along with their supervisors. So that's Mm -hmm. why I mentioned earlier that it's very important to pick your supervisor very wisely when you are beginning your PhD. Because if you don't get somebody who's very um, clued up on your topic, it makes it very difficult for you to make progress because yeah. on the same page, you're not understanding. So you'll write something and they're not going to agree with you or they're not going to understand. So it's very important to have somebody that is on the same page as you, that understands your topic, that has almost the same, uh, like they have the same opinion on what you think your topic should be and the direction mm. you should be going. So it's okay. really important to have a good relationship with your supervisor and be able to work very well with each other and also know what their expectations are and what their work style is like. So you might get a supervisor that's just (laughs) a slave driver, which mine is, which is really good. She's very, um, she's very firm and she has very high standards, which is really great because it pushes you to your research as well and not to produce mediocre work. And that really pays off in the end. In the beginning, I struggled a little bit because I was like, oh, she's so difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't she just do, why can't she just agree to everything I say? Fifth version of this paper that I've written. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. Okay, so you need a great, you need a great working relationship with your supervisor. because And you need to understand your working styles in order to have a good working relationship. Sure, sure. And in terms of, um, do do you guys get to, like, dedicate your work to people, your family, or, like, just about the energy crisis? I don't know. Do you get to do that when you're writing your PhD? And who did you dedicate your work to? Oh, so you, like, oh, so in, in terms, like, almost like your acknowledgments, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can. I mean, you so for on on my acknowledgments and dedications, I obviously dedicated to my family and my um support structure that was there for me when I was doing my PhD. But in terms of the topic and why I was doing the PhD, I guess energy it's 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 giving back to the country, giving back to the it's giving back to my family as well. I guess we can say it's dedicated to them as well. But in my yeah. acknowledgments, I did acknowledge, you know, my parents have always encouraged me to, you know, work hard and further my studies. And they were a really good support system while I was doing my PhD. So, yeah, I did. Sure. I did acknowledge and dedicate it to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. I'm glad you did. Um, sure. So. Um, now that you're done with this journey, is it like the end of the road? Is that like once you obtain your PhD, like is is that it? Is that like the pinnacle, the top of the mountain? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. So I think as a researcher, your PhD sort of opens a lot of doors for you, but you shouldn't just do a PhD in pockets, you know, and be like, okay, now I have that DR. Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, then it's sort of, it's pointless having put in so much effort and work into it. So you should definitely continue writing papers, continue building your network, continue putting yourself out there and learning as much as you possibly can. Cause you can't stop learning, you know, it doesn't end with, 
oh, I have a PhD now. I'm not going to learn anymore. We learn new things every yeah. day. So of course. I would encourage, you know, anybody that's doing their PhD to continue doing their research, continue publishing your papers. The PhD, that DR just, you know, opens doors now. It makes people listen to you more than they would have before. So you must make the most of that. Um, But you must definitely continue. And a lot of PhDs continue to become professors. You you can't earn a professorship. Well, you can't study for it. It's, you you become a professor through the research that you're continuing to publish. You become a professor through um, mentoring others, supervising other PhDs. So professorship is, I think, the next step. I don't think I would really go that route because it's very academic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. Um, but yeah, never say never. Who knows? I might just become a professor one day and I'll be like, oh. Of course. And I'll remind you, I'll pull up this recording and say, remember back in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And since it is 2020 and you got your PhD this year, um, how was, did you have a graduation ceremony? Is that something that's going to come later or did they just send you your certificate and said, you've got your PhD, thanks? Um, so unfortunately, due to COVID, we were not able to have the traditional graduation ceremonies. So a lot of us, or specifically for us, our PhD supervisor arranged like a watch party for us at her house where we watched the online ceremony. But um, there was an announcement that they will try and um, make traditional ceremonies in May for all the mm. that didn't get to have a traditional graduation this year. So hopefully we'll still have a nice... Some graduation. version of it, yeah. Our red Once house a- stage. <laughs> I know, because that is also like a big part of it as well, like yeah. a big part of acknowledging the sacrifice and the countless hours. My gosh, I I am so impressed. I don't know if 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 <laughs> I'll do a PhD. I've been singing that song throughout a lot of the episodes, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. the jury's still out. <laughs> um, okay, last, last, last one, Vanessa. I'm on the Superpower Podcast. This is a question I ask every single guest. Um, when you consider your superpower, you know, what, what do you think that is? Oh, my goodness. My superpower. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think my superpower is my resilience. Like I, I don't give up. And I think that's, that's what actually got me through my PhD. Once I start something, I have to see it to the end. So I'm, I'm very resilient. I'm hardworking. Not necessarily the smartest tool in the box, but I think with dedication and hard work and resilience, you can do absolutely anything you put your mind to. So for me, I would say that would be my superpower. <laughs> Yay! That's a great superpower to have. Um, And clearly it's doing you quite well. (laughs) But thanks again, Vanessa, for joining us on the Superpower Podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure and I hope for all aspiring PhD um, students, candidates, that this is something that they consider um, and hopefully they then get on and do it. So thanks again for joining us and yeah, see everyone next week. Cool. Thank you so much, Deborah. It was really great. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Cheers. Yes. 
Hey, you made it to the end of the interview. Thanks so much for listening and hope you learned a thing or two. Please make sure to subscribe, review, and leave a voice note for any lady who inspires you. Till next week, have an awesome one. Cheers.